Hello and welcome to the AFPT Comics Podcast, episode 252. Wow, the new 52. The new 52. Yes! We can only do that every we 100 episodes, so we better do it. Uh, <laughs> as a comics podcast, that's in our contract. That's right. Yep. Uh, if you don't know, the new 52 was uh, DC Comics' big reboot, what, yeah. 12 years ago? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. much like that, uh, you and I are going to be... A little different. We're not quite the co-hosts that you remember. Why is that, Joker? I <laughs> well, first of all, I've pulled my face off. Oh my god, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, no, it's probably going to be a regular episode this week. Yeah, this week we have Jason Aaron on. You know him from some such works as Thor. Yeah, that's it. I'm all, that's all I'm going to give you because that's probably what you Oof. know from. But. Uh, he also is doing Batman Offworld at DC Comics. We talk all about that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as the second issue is out next week. And we also talk about Action Comics 1061. He's writing this yeah. killer Bizarro story I got to read early. Jealous. Ooh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's interesting. Both stories do deal with space in some sense. So I actually ask him, Jason, what's with you in space? Because, you know, <laughs> Thor was space too. Man, Action Comics and, has been like bonkers recently mm. uh i'm uh, really enjoying it so i'm very excited to see what what jason aaron brings to the title yeah and in 2024 they're going to be doing a different writer every story arc yeah. it's a superstar uh idea that they introduced at new york comic-con mm-hmm. and uh yeah jason this is his first time i think writing superman it's not his first time at dc of course right not even even before batman offworld he was he did some dc stuff that's but, right he was exclusive to Marvel for like 15 years. So it's pretty yeah. big that he's at DC Comics now and second time on the show. And it's a great, it's a great interview. And I, I highly recommend checking it out. But Definitely. before we get to that, mm-hmm. oh boy, there's a lot of news this week. Oh boy. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, this week uh, probably had the biggest news because I deem it so be, uh, because the folks on Twitter were uh-huh. losing their minds that, what's his name? J.M. DeMattis. Oh my God. I know that guy. Didn't yeah, he do something yeah. with some hunter that's going to be in a really cool movie soon? <laughs> in an extremely cool looking movie, yes. Um, <laughs> Craven, yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, so continuing on his streak of telling us sort of untold stories, you know, the the mm-hmm. the Lost Hunt, and uh, he had that Ben Riley miniseries and, and all this. Yep. Uh, we are getting a new uh, miniseries, Spider-Man, Shadow of the Green Goblin in 2024. Yeah. J.M. DeMattis and an artist Michael Starr uh, telling us a, a sort of lost Green Goblin story. He's not the original Goblin. It's time mm-hmm. to learn the shocking secrets of the Proto Goblin. Dude, I want to upgrade in 2024 to be Proto Dave. Is it possible? I do you think, think you can do it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, just I just realized something. You know how Peter Pan has a shadow? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. And he's green, <laughs> he, right? Yes, Peter is, yes. Peter Pan. So, Peter Pan. Green Goblin, also green, and this book's called... Sh- Is there a Peter Pan connection? We will find out. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. I don't know. Maybe. Um, no, I'm excited for this. I've really enjoyed uh, the the sort of jumps back to the 80s and 90s that, that we've been getting yeah. from Marvel in the last couple of years. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I look, I'm, I'm a fan of... Of a goblin story. I love a goblin mm-hmm. story. So he's I'm the here best. for this. He's the best because he's the worst. He's so mean he's, and awful to he's Peter. He's so terrible. But but someone ate his sins. <laughs> so 
So. You, if, you should check out this cover art too, guys. Paolo Sequeira's rules. Uh, cover here, highly detailed. And to my point earlier, fans were just so ecstatic uh, mm-hmm. that Demetrius is going to be writing this. They're just they're huge fans of him. Obviously, he's written yeah. so many iconic Spidey stories. So maybe he'll write another one. Yeah, for for once, we're not being sarcastic when we say people on the internet were really cool about it. Like they were. Like people that, were actually excited about it. <laughs> for serious, like it's usually negative and angry. And like Kevin Smith said on the show a few weeks ago, like he'll get these replies to his random tweets of just fury and i yeah. i saw it happening to him again this week totally People just like randomly hating him he's like somewhere. i wasn't even talking about that <laughs> i feel like hulk would be really like a big time like hater on, on twitter i would love um, to see that what if right like it's just the hulk <laughs> what on if hulk got a twitter account That'd hulk be on reddit hulk <laughs> hulk on 4chan oh reddit hulk i like it that's good we're talking about Hulk because there is a giant size Hulk that was announced this week. It's yeah, coming out bigger April. than usual. Yes. Uh, again, Marvel is celebrating the giant size line. Uh-huh. It's the 50 year anniversary of it. And usually in the past, these were one shots that were extra sized, but also featured one big fight. And this, this time Hulk mm-hmm. is fighting a dude. Uh, where is it? Oh, gosh. What's his name? Patchwork Jack. Yeah. Great name. That's interesting. Do you think he's British? <laughs> I feel like it's British. <laughs> Like he's he's like lives down the street from Tiny it's Tim. The Patchwork Jack. Um, there you go. No, you I don't know. I, I mean, it's, you're right. It does sound like very Dickensian. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I love yeah. it because Johnson's talking about how like you know his his goal with the current Hulk series uh, is to go as gross and weird and and intense as possible. And he's like, so obviously in a giant size uh, Incredible Hulk issue, you got to go even further. So uh, that that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to see how these giant size plays out because yeah. like annual issues, sometimes they, they're fun, self-contained stories, but they don't feel tethered enough to everything else to matter. And I, I'd really like to see that happen. And yeah, Johnson definitely. behind it, writing the main series, it probably will connect. Mm-hmm. Something else I am greatly anticipating mm-hmm. is how they're going to pull off this Ultimate Universe reboot or relaunch or right. whatever you want to call it. So close. So close to Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Just a few weeks. Ultimate Spider-Man Ugh. technically is sort of launching it. We've already gotten the start, mm-hmm. obviously. But I think that's where I'm going to really start to understand what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week, we also get to understand what Storm looks like in the Ultimate Universe. Yes. So Peach Momoko did the design. Man, Peach is all over the Ultimate line, huh? Because she's doing X-Men, too. Yeah, Peach is crushing it. And it makes sense that, they, yeah, that they'd allow her to like do the, the Storm redesign for this, considering how important she is to X-Men. And Peach is doing Ultimate X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. But we also get this rad Killmonger redesign, which looks Dude, like something. The mask like, look is sick. It's like something out of Princess Mononoke. Like, and I love, yeah. I love the little skulls on on the fur. Like, it's oh man, it rules. Both of these are great designs. Yeah, they look like they're from another country, which would be Wakanda in this universe. We don't mm-hmm. obviously know much yet, but I would say at least Killmonger is a villain. <laughs> Yeah, what I'm fascinated with is how much the gods are tying into this new Black Panther line. Like, like Black Panther is literally Mm. battling against Ra and and Khonshu. Like that is Moon Knight. Yeah, so cool. Uh, I yeah, Brian Hill's writing too. And yeah, and like I think I mentioned this on the show before. I was a huge fan of Brian Hill's Killmonger miniseries a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So oh god, so good. so happy to see Killmonger being like a big part of this book, like right from the start. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, I'm gonna dive dive right in and be all in on Ultimate, but 
It yeah. still has to win me over. I'm going to sure, give it like six months. We're, we're not really sure what to expect <laughs> from it other than like some of yeah. the log lines we've seen. But I have, I, I feel really optimistic about it. Everything that we've seen mm-hmm. so far uh, is all, they're saying all the right things for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, Nathan, are you uh, anticipating anything for March in DC Comics? Mostly Batman. <laughs> yes. And you and we can confirm that this week as on Friday the full Marvel uh, sorry DC Comics solicitations uh-huh. were released. And yeah, they uh it's if, it's if, bat, if you were that heavy for sure. Batman sells obviously because mm-hmm. why else would he be in every book? <laughs> uh, uh yeah, no, we we have a, a full scope of all the cover art and uh some story details some, if you go to amptcomics.com. Some mild spoilers too because uh Yes. You know, Bat, the the next issue of Batman, March's issue of Batman, Batman 145, spins out of the Joker Year One storyline. So we we know some stuff about what's going on with Batman. I won't spoil it on the show, but take a look at the solicits on AAPTcomics.com. If you want to get spoiled. <laughs> we also have Suicide Squad Dream Team, which I cannot yeah. wait for. by uh, Nicole Maines and Eddie Barrows. Uh, Barrows giving, is so good. Uh, and Eber Ferreira giving us a version of the suicide squad led by dreamer uh along with harley mm-hmm. quinn bizarro clock king black alice and dead eye uh i i love Deep cuts man and i uh, and we'll talk about them in a minute but there's some uh artwork that's been revealed some character designs for this book that are mm-hmm. like very uh dc animated universe inspired especially mm. clock king uh uh-huh. so i i'm super into those uh, also, it's interesting to me that Dreamer's now a precog. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And she that's why she's sort of leading, because she can anticipate when someone's going to be attacked. Or right. Whatever. After Lazarus Planet, her powers keep evolving, which is kind of mm-hmm. a fun kind of a fun idea. And you're right. Like, that's, of course, that's something Amanda Waller would want to use to her advantage. Totally. Um, on, on top of that, you you uh, gave me the <laughs> heads up on this, but we've got Batman Dylan Dog number one coming out in March, yeah, which is it's, so It's being cool. translated for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I immediately thought of you. I was like, he likes Dylan. I Dog, do. Right? I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I very excited. I've never, I'm, I'm very excited for this one. Uh, you know, see, seeing, they feel like they go perfectly well together. Like some neon right. noir, right. you know, not neo noir, but neon noir. Like and very... like when a werewolf bursts through a wall, Batman's not going to be like, what the hell? He'll be like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. he'll, be like he'll be like, herm. Which by the does. way, folks, if you have access to Tubi and everyone does because it's free, uh, yeah. The the American adaptation Dylan Dog Dead of Night is currently streaming mm. for free, oh. uh, and it's a really fun time. It's I, it's the kind of movie that you watch and you're like, I wish we'd gotten like eight of these by now. That's got Superman in it, right? Yeah, Brandon Routh is uh, as uh-huh. as Dylan Dog. Nice. Yeah, I remember liking it, but I haven't rewatched it. I actually own the Dylan Dog like omnibus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Super old at this point. But. <laughs> like me, I'm super old. Same. Also super old, Batman Dark Age number one yes. by Mark Russell and Mike Allred. They're reteaming again. They did a similar sort of series with Superman. And uh, God, the cover on this is so cool. Yeah, but... <laughs> this, uh, this puts Batman in actual history. Uh, mm-hmm. It's showing what, what would happen if he had sort of come up in real time. Very much, you know, similar to the spider-man and and fantastic four life story template and and similar to yeah superman space age uh, but this is just going to be a single special right like they're not doing a miniseries for dark age Ooh, that's a good question 
I think the Superman one was three issues, so it was shorter. Uh huh. It doesn't say anywhere here that it's a one shot, so I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin are still fighting Man Bat uh, <laughs> in Bat- uh-huh. Batman and Robin number seven. And then wait a minute, there's another book that you might have heard of called Detective Comics oh, that yeah. also has Batman. Oh, and then look at this: Batman's in Nightwing. <laughs> he is. Uh, honestly, look, I'm not. I'm not an anti-Batman like boo too much Batman yeah, yeah. kind of guy, but. It is really funny to like open up the solicits and literally like the first nine books here are Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a guy on Reddit who posts Batman tracker every, uh-huh. every uh, month when the solicits come out. Mm-hmm. And according to him, there are 16 bat books this month. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then he, he puts it up to 19 if you count bat, uh, uh Birds of Prey, because I guess Barbara's in it. Oh, it don't matter. Yeah, Barbara's going to be, uh, for folks who miss Batgirl, it looks like Barbara and Cassandra are in uh, Birds of Prey number seven. Uh, mm-hmm. We've also got Outsiders, which is a Batwoman book. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, which also I, I quite enjoyed the first issue of. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how this will continue uh, building out the secret history of the DC universe, especially now that we're we're bringing uh, Nocturna into uh, modern day, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Catwoman number sixty three, not a Batman book. Batman adjacent. The Peng- I mean, the kinda. Penguin number eight. <laughs> there's right, a one. there's a lot to it's, dig into. It's there's a huge month. Too. I'm so again every single month that I get to see that Poison Ivy is still going. I'm very happy. What's uh, something that caught my eye was Primer Number One's coming out, and that's Jennifer Morrow and Thomas mm. Krajewski, and they were on this show to talk about wait what Primer? Oh yeah, that's right. So I don't know if this is a new series or if they're just cutting up their graphic novel into a, a series. Oh, possibly. It's a really fun YA character, and mm-hmm. considering it's a number one issue, maybe they're going to introduce her into like the main universe. I don't know. That'd be fun. Yeah. There hasn't been a lot about that besides these solicits, so we'll see. Um, we yeah. also, uh, just because I have to mention it every time, the uh, Brave and the Bold number 11 uh, continues the Gotham Academy reunion story. <laughs> so mm. uh, we got a new version <laughs> of Man Bat. We got Tristan and Maps from Gotham Academy. Um, and Zach Thompson and Ashley Wood doing a what they're calling a folk horror Batman story uh, in a black and white style. Hmm. Which is very exciting. Lots of cool stuff coming from DC. Neil before Zod number three. Uh, mm-hmm. The Flash continues to get weirder. Uh, which it's like I'm... Bizarro's in Batman Superman World's Finest too. Hell yeah, it's a Bizarro uh, Renaissance right now. I'm I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. And stay tuned to the interview because Aaron talks all about Bizarro and like why he why his version he thinks works so well oh yeah uh he he's doing something a little different because he says like if you read the old bizarro comics mm-hmm. like everyone's like ha ha he's dumb he sounds dumb <laughs> what a dummy <laughs> and he's like that's wrong oh he's just misunderstood right exactly and he's he has difficulty communicating uh right i also gotta throw out the variant cover by jorge fornes for uh green arrow number 10 is just a mm. uh, a sequential uh series of panels of him shooting a bullseye and it's <laughs> yeah it is so uh pleasant i love it so much it is <laughs> it has a david aja feel to it yes it? absolutely 
Speaking of Bizarro, mm -hmm. uh, some preview pages and designs were released for Suicide Squad Dream Team, which mm -hmm. we talked about a second ago. Again, if you go to aptcomics.com, you can check those out. But you were saying they're connected. They they look like they're similar to the cartoons. Well, especially Clock King looks very much like the version from uh, the from Batman the Animated Series and Justice League. Um, mm. But I the the Bizarro design I love. It kind of reminds me of how he looked uh, during the New Fifty Two when we did. Uh, year of the villain like that he mm -hmm. had that very short hair like short close crop design mm -hmm. um i don't know i just i really dig i really dig the looks here didn't he show yeah he was in um, on amanda waller always he was in batman killing time by tom king that's right and david marquez mm -hmm. there yeah 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 huh uh, i, I want to learn more about this guy something i don't need to learn more about though mm. especially next april are monkeys <laughs> You didn't see me saying that, did you? No. Uh, there's a there's a thing called April Special. Hell yeah! It's an April Fool's uh, anthology from DC Comics that's coming out. It was also in the solicits, but it got a special uh, news earlier this week as well. And uh, also got yeah, I, I think why not? It looks like it could be. It fun. Looks I don't really know how fun. funny it'll we be. We used to do this. DC Apes like was a thing like all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I all of these covers are great. There's a scratch and sniff variant cover. The the Monkey King variant with him holding it looks it's the oh it's God. the you know the crisis gag but yep. instead of holding Supergirl, Superman just holding Supergirl he's yep. holding up a giant banana peel it's so funny. it's empty there's no banana it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good uh, yeah I uh, I'm excited for this hell yeah um, it should be fun for people sure people should always give Detective Chimp a sword and I'll be happy as as mm -hmm. long as mm -hmm. people are doing that in comics. <laughs> Were you a fan of ODB? Yeah, you know me. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't see you going that way. Uh, there's a Kickstarter out right now for the Old Dirty Bastard, Oddities, Discord, and B-Sides, Lyrical Ruckus in the City. It's a graphic novel. He's also getting a Super 7 action figure. Uh, and it's, of course, uh, proved by the estate of his, you know, his estate, um... I don't know. This uh, this is kind of random. I'm kind of surprised Z2 isn't putting something out like this because they're usually doing yeah. these graphic novels. No, I, when I saw the news come across, that's what I thought immediately. But uh, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that I love that Oni is still doing these as well. A really great lineup of talent, too. Um, you know, we've got folks like uh, Jason Pierre, Regine Sawyer, Damian Scott, uh, Felipe Sobrero. Um, yeah, no, this is awesome. I, I'm, I'm excited to check this out. APT got to run exclusive quotes from a bunch of folks, mm -hmm. many of which I unfortunately I'm ignorant and don't know who they are. But I did <laughs> see Mike Del Mundo, who's <clears throat> who said, "There's no father to his style." Enough said. And he did an amazing cover uh, of ODB with uh, microphones in his hair, which is neat. Also, the action figure rules. Like it looks so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Super Seven's really good at these. They've got a lot of. Uh, Real life people being like turned into toys. Yeah. At one point, we'll all be toys, I think. I think so. Yeah. Because there'll be so much plastic in our bloodstream. Yeah. Hey! And I, hey, I also have to mention, <laughs> just so our listeners know, I do know that I quoted OPP. I know the difference between them and Old Dirty Bass. Okay, so personally, I wasn't sure, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, man. but I, I, you said it with like the right cadence, and I had to do it. I did. I really it didn't did. Make sense. I, I set you up. I set you up. You, you knock them down. <laughs> I knock. Them, I will say, I knock them sideways. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, but that's okay. Bunts still count. Mm -hmm. 
That's a baseball reference. <laughs> um, at this point, will every rapper have a graphic novel by the time I'm like in my 50s? I fucking hope Probably. so. Does Kid Cudi have one yet? Uh, he's like done a, graphic novel right. work. But yes. I don't okay, know if yeah. it was a biography, but Eminem's got one. Uh-huh. Uh, Cypress Hill. Wu-Tang. You I know, don't think I, Will Smith has I one. I heard that the those guys are nothing to fuck with. That's true. You know why I know that? Why is that? Because I'm down with OPP, buddy. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, next news. Pornstock Picture Soap is doing a series called Man's Best yeah. at Boom Studios. And I love the tagline, which is basically, Homeward Bound in Space. Sold. Yes. Give me it. French Bulldog with that. a rocket strapped to his back. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. We Three is so iconic, mm-hmm. I feel, that whenever I see animals in a comic like this, I'm like, We Three. I just immediately oh, think sure. of that. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe because there's not enough stories like this, I, and it's so it's good they're doing more like this. This sounds so fun. We've got some great like great artists on this. Also, some really excellent uh, variant covers here. I I, I love. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm super into the whole vibe here. I, I especially love the Trish Forstner one done in the style of uh, of Stray or Stray Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is so exciting. I. I love the, uh, I just love, I don't know. I, I love the functional future. You know what I mean? Like it's not, mm. everything's a little clunky, but it works. And that mm-hmm. seems to be like what all of their little, <laughs> sorry. I just, I just scrolled down to the, the bulldog lifting off on the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a preview on AIPT comics. I can't wait. I don't, wait I don't think it's lettered yet. Yeah. Honestly, Jesse Lonergan too. He did yes. the book Hedra a year yeah, or two yeah. ago. That was just, absolutely insane when it came to layout design and ideas using the gutters so pair that with um porn sack and i think you might have something that's really elevated and different yeah porn sack had this great uh quote where he said it's amazing how as a quote professional writer i still have no words to explain how innovative lonergan's art keeps getting with each mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. i love that yeah people don't play enough with like design in that way but i mean yeah. it takes a special case to do it I well think. it's it's yeah it's like uh quirky but also i don't know i i, I yeah I, I love this i'm so excited quirky and also i feel like that's the start of your tinder profile thank you I, if i <laughs> i've been off the market for quite some time but i i'll <laughs> i appreciate it yeah it just came to me uh, this, what did not come to IDW is mm. a new logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're celebrating 25 years next year and they designed, that's why it didn't just come to them, a new logo, which has a cool, like, uh, light bulb with an eye in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's supposed to harken back to the earlier days. It's crazy to me that IDW has been around for 25 years. Um, I thought it was longer, honestly, but they also revealed that they'll be doing their own solicit catalog and stop me if I'm wrong, but I think DC is the only one that's doing their own like that. I think so. And it'll so. be in print in comic shops. Yeah, at least on yeah. that level. Like, yeah, they have the DC Universe book. Mm-hmm. DC Connect. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like they have a lot of cool stuff planned, like I mean, Godzilla vs. Mighty Morphin Power it, Rangers 2 coming it, out in it, April. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if nothing else, this news g- gave me a new image of the Megazord <laughs> fighting Godzilla. So I'm feeling yes. pretty good right now. There's three covers. You got to check them out. They're ridiculous. When we talked, I think when we talked to Colin Bunn last, uh-huh. we got to add a little Power Ranger Godzilla questions in there. That yeah, we did. Right before the first series launched. That's right. 
And uh, fun yeah, book. big yeah. action fun. God, Godzilla is like crushing it right Godzilla's now. Godzilla's having a crush. It, well, he, he tends to crush things, but the uh, <laughs> it is it's a good year to be a Godzilla fan, and it's it's so it funny that like I was I was just recently uh, talking to my partner about this, but like I feel like Godzilla is one of those characters, along with Batman, who is infinitely malleable. Like mm-hmm. this year. We have the, you know, the Monarch TV series. We also had Godzilla Minus One, which, listeners, is my favorite movie of 2023. <laughs> like, not even, mm, like, wow. by a long margin. <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we got the trailer for Godzilla Kong, which looks so silly. And all yep. of it feels valid. And then you add on mm-hmm. top, like... We had a comic book this year about Godzilla fighting the Justice League and Godzilla versus yep. pirates. <laughs> like, and it all yep. feels like it works. I, I love, I love loving Godzilla. <laughs> we have the show Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I so wonder, great. you know, <clears throat> the metaphor of Godzilla, right? Of like Doomsday and whatnot. Is it is this happening right now? Because everyone's like, shoot, we're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well watch plenty of Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta catch that movie. I really want to see it. It's crazy. It's great. Like, uh, the, they they the extended it. Uh, it's run and it's opening in like I think they just added a few thousand theaters. So like, oh it's, nice. It's yeah. It's catching on like even more. I think people are. It's nice. getting really great word of mouth. Not like Candy Cane Lane though. That one's just crushing with Eddie Murphy. I yeah. I saw. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that that exists. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's directed by Reggie Hudlin, and yeah. uh, if you go back to the episode where he's on the show, we talk a little bit about that's him right. filming that with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and I had a geek out about Eddie Murphy with him for five seconds. <laughs> he was probably like, "Oh God, this fucking guy." Um, <laughs> moving on to our next segment, top books of the week. We're gonna talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. What was your second favorite book of the week? Uh, my second favorite book of the week was Spider Gwen Smash Number One by Melissa Flores and Enid Balam. Um, this was a really, yeah. really fun first issue. I I've sort of been in and out on Spider Gwen books for the last couple of years because they they keep you know they're doing them as you know a bunch of miniseries instead of one continuous story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And those kind of wildly vary <laughs> in tone and focus and i i'm i find with spider gwen i'm way more into the uh the the interpersonal relationship stuff than i am uh the big you know multiversal battle stuff and with this book it really feels like back to basics it's spider gwen it's her band they're going on tour with dazzler which look you want (laughs) to you want to get me in the seat you put dazzler in a comic book uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, I just, I don't know, Melissa Flores, I, I, I love, I love her voice. I love the way that she writes character dialogue and this book in all of the best ways recalls some of my favorite comics of the last several years. I mean, we're talking, uh, the Josie and the Pussycats book, uh, mm-hmm. from a few years ago, the, the Kelly Thompson's Jim and the Holograms, uh, was kept coming to mind. I love comics that make music look visually interesting like Mm, there's a there's a kinetic energy when the bands are performing almost like you can see the music in the air uh i love the extra mile of giving his lyrics for the songs and then that's not even like adding on to the fact that this has some great punch-em-up action we get a fight scene with a hulk 
Uh, we get uh, multiversal variants of characters that we recognize and building up a little mystery for uh, Gwen to unravel with a missing persons case. Um, and then on, you know, on top of that, just all the great character work. Uh, so much of this is Gwen and her dad just sort of you know, finally talking to each other about things that are important and why, you know, why Spider-Woman is important and, and why it's important to, for her to still live her own life and, and enjoy time with her bandmates. Um, it's just a great book. It's everything I want out of a Spider-Gwen book. And I, I think, uh, I don't know, I'm just really excited to, to read the rest of this. Yeah, I love the concept of them going on tour since they yeah. the band's always been like this thing that's sort kept of her down and yeah. or like having to like oh, I got to get to band practice or whatever. But now it's like well no, they she's taking the band with her on her adventure mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, it's super fun. I loved it. It's a solid first issue. Absolutely. Sure. My second favorite book was not a first issue, but a second issue. Mm. It was Batman City of Madness number 2. Hey. Ward. This was my favorite draw. book of the week. What? Yeah. Dude, we said no favorites. No favorite. We, we, we promised no. we wouldn't, but we did. When you say Batman City of Madness to your comic shop, you do have to say it like I did a second ago, by the way. City Lots of, of drama. madness. Madness. Um, <laughs> I love this uh, issue. Yeah, I, I had a couple little nitpicks, and I admit in my review on aptcoms.com that it, they were nitpicks, but uh, <laughs> man, this issue... Christian is just stuffing this with like cool character moments, uh, incredible art, but like interesting story arcs going on. This is a three issue series and yeah. extra size, of course, extra large too, if you buy it in physical format and just so much interesting stuff going on, like with Two-Face, but also the ventriloquist, mm-hmm. um, the the connection he makes from the ventriloquist Ooh. to Batman near the end is yeah. so smart. Uh, it just made me like love the character even more. And it's chilling. Yeah. It, yeah, and it's clear that, you know, uh, I don't want to spoil anything else, but there, it's clear that, you know, Christian really loved the animated series. There's some interesting Definitely. connections. And yeah, um, I also think it's really interesting what he's doing with Alfred and how, like, it's almost like in this issue, Alfred is like a man going through trauma, having oh, yeah. to put his, watch his, basically his surrogate son, his adopted son, go out and almost kill himself every night, you know? Yeah. And that's really compelling too. And then on top of that, we've got this crazy cosmic horror thing going on. So it's got this deep emotional, great character, and then big, ridiculously stupid comics can only do it kind of story. Yeah, I loved it. it it's it's wild. It uh, fits in so many ideas to the point where my, my one qualm with this issue is that it does feel like, um, you know, first issue is like set up and mood, you know, uh, and then second issue, a lot of exposition, but it's done in such a visually interesting way that it doesn't really bug me yes. in the moment. I agree. Um, yep. And I will I will fight something that you said in your review, uh, okay. which is uh, I'm fine with Flamingo being there because uh, oh, yeah. Christian clearly enjoys drawing him. <laughs> I get yeah, that, no, I, I get that he's just yeah. sort of there, like someone needs to yeah. own a club for Batman to go to. But I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I was just like, oh man, I haven't seen this motherfucker in a minute. But ne- then he's like in for like sure. two books this week. <laughs> Is he? What else is he in? I, I think he was in. Was he in Brave and the Bold? He was in something else, like recent. Maybe not this week. Maybe it's. Oh next yeah, week. Brave and the Bold might have been it. Yeah, I forget now. I've reviewed that. And I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a super nitpick too. It just felt like, huh? What? Okay, oh, totally. I guess he just is I gone now. But yeah, the other um, nitpick is just an art thing. But yeah, again, yeah. <laughs> but man, all the stuff with 
uh, with Harvey, and there is uh, you're you're absolutely right. Like when you talk about the influence on the, and we talked a little bit with him about this, the influence mm-hmm. of Batman the animated series. But there is a a villain who shows up at the midway point in mm. a very monstrous state that uh, is clearly uh, drawing from from one of the spookiest sequences from the first season of Batman the animated series. Yeah, I can't believe what he does with Batcow. It's just crazy. <laughs> there's also <That's> a joke. <laughs> there's also an insane uh splash page towards the end with the ventriloquist that like with Arnold with uh with Wesker that like really upset me. <laughs> yes, yes. Some body horror going on there. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. And honestly, it feels like it could have been like a six issue, twelve issue series. Like the and next I'm one's glad gonna be it insane, is right? Like it's gonna be yeah, just like, full on nightmare. Totally. Yeah. I mean I can't we're gonna wait. go straight because yeah, well, that's spoiling a little bit, but yeah, there's so much to see in the the Gotham below. Gotham below, right? Yeah. Uh and yeah, I, based on how good Christian Ward's art is, like he's gonna just go off the chain. Yeah. And that is a 2023 term. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> what narrowly edged out Batman yeah. City Menace from my number one was Dark Spaces Dungeon Number Two by Scott Snyder and Hayden Sherman. This is a serial killer story uh, yeah. with a modern twist. And this issue tells us how. It tells us how uh, this modern day serial killer is a little bit different from the ones that were in like the 70s and 80s. And it's a clever idea. And honestly, I say in my review, like, and I review this for APT as well, but I say, like, someone's going to take this idea and put it in a movie because it's smart. It's a smart, a clever idea to think about um, how a serial killer would operate in the social media era where we're all connected constantly, overconnected, mm-hmm. as it says in this book. But anyway, uh, if you don't know, this is a series about a detective who was captured by um, some faceless serial killer we haven't met yet. And he has these traps, these underground dungeon traps where he sticks people in them and these like brick-like shapes push out and put you, it contort you into awful positions. Mm -hmm. And he's got them all over America and he tortures people with these things and like, I guess he can visit them because these are like underground bunkers style. Anyway, the detective is the only person who's ever escaped and there's a new target uh, that is a little boy and he's trying to catch the serial killer for once. And... It's an interesting uh, idea, just that whole element of the horror element of this murder serial killer guy, but also the his like need to to, to torture. Uh, meanwhile, there's a father who's trying to protect his family, and he's deathly afraid. And him and the detective kind of bond in this issue a little bit mm-hmm. as they get a lead. But is it a lead or is it something else? It's um. It's an interesting story on top of the fact that Hayden Sherman's art is so good. There's Wild. so many cool layouts, yeah. so many cool like sky moments. Like it feels like true detective in a sense of this like supernatural, but it's just nature. It's like this is just the world, but yeah. he's doing it in this way that's really absorbing and compelling and I just and there's a couple layouts ideas that are uh, visually just bring you like deeper into the book. There's like a actually a jump scare moment thanks to the layout design oh. that I think works. And that's tough to do in comics. Yeah, definitely. Nice. But uh, yeah, this Dark Spaces labels pretty freaking cool at IDW. They've got, they've got something on their hands here. Great pick, man. But thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have like a, good job, man. I, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, Validate me. I love those moments. <laughs> 
In our, oh God, in our next segment, standout. Kapow. Moment of the week. <laughs> this is our biblical moment where we talk about our favorite panel or page Praise that me. sent us to heaven. That's right. <laughs> Maybe Billy's Bible bonkers. And my, <laughs> that's right. So good. <laughs> I'm excited for that Fallout show simply because he's in it. Uh-huh. Um, my favorite uh, panel or page came from Mortal Thor number five by Al Young and Martin Cocolo. This is another really good issue in the series and it totally gives away something. And I'm sorry for that. If you haven't read it, it's but okay. There is a I, moment I, I where I gave away the last page of a book last week. So, Oh, that's true. That's but true. I did warn that's people. True. They I should expect it. Spoilers. Duh. <laughs> um, so the Thor Corps are fighting this ancient thunder God, uh, who was, who's been around longer than Thor and all of these other people. And in the last issue, we found out if you hold Mjolnir for uh, uh, just a second, mm-hmm. you get the power of Thor for 60 seconds. So the opening of this book is Loki, Valkyrie, Storm, Beta Ray Bill, uh-huh. and Thor freaking tossing the, the Mjolnir to one. They take it, power up, throw it at the guy. Love it. Then it bounces off him, goes to another. Power up, go to the other guy. So they basically are sharing the power yes. between them. Um, to just whack them over and over and over. Each but, of them to get like a super powered hit in one at a time. Yeah, exactly. And this Thunder God's like, what the hell? I want this hammer. This hammer is so good. And that was the point. And in this moment, <clears throat> which you can see on aptcomics.com, mm-hmm. he wields Mjolnir, this ancient god. And he's like, finally, I'm going to destroy the hell out of you guys because <laughs> I now have it. And I'm not giving it to you. And Thor's about to give this speech where he's like, dog, that was the point. <laughs> And it is such a needle drop moment where you're actually like, oh shit, the super thunder god who has enough power to destroy Thor on his own has this Mjolnir. Anyway, it's just such a badass, cool thing in a, in the book. And it was so yeah. clever. And it, it's using lore and stuff that it, that only Al Ewing would remember off the top of his head, probably. Uh, just a super fan of Marvel Comics history. And yeah, once again, he, he pulls it off. And then... Just to throw in a last thing, uh, <laughs> this issue uh, continues to break the fourth wall in a really interesting oh, way yeah. as villains have have issues of Thor in their possession. And I don't know what that means. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what was your favorite book of the week? Oh, I don't know. No. Too long. I, I loved... Look, there were like three or four different pages from uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man number 13 by Cody Ziegler yeah. and Federico Vicentini that I could have... Pit- Honestly, every single issue has at least one or two splash pages where I'm like, damn, that's the coolest thing I've seen this week. Such cool art. Um, And it was between, there's a bit here where Miles forms two of his uh, Venom sabers and slashes through a bunch of guys like something out of Rurouni Kenshin. But I went with this uh, page of uh, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight uh, swooping in to save the day. And it's the... The motion in this page is insane. Uh, We've got Misty uh, drifting her car, firing a gun out the window, and Colleen just launching from on top of the car with with her sword drawn. Uh, The the speed lines in this are nuts. The, 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 The dust and smoke being kicked up. There is just so much... There's not a single, like, straight line on this page because everything is mm. moving so quickly, so ferociously. I absolutely love just the the anime-inspired energy of this book, and this page is, like, a perfect example of that. You know Cody is giving um, Federico, like, 
picture like screenshots from uh, from manga or oh, anime yeah. and there, they're like there was, check this out there was a bit a few weeks back where miles like had this like wild venom blast discharge and uh, i think i think he had sent uh i think cody like posted a picture of vegeta doing like a final flash attack or something like, like there's it's so fun every time a new issue comes out for Co- mm. when cody mm-hmm. posts like yeah. You know, the One Piece <laughs> episode that he, like, was inspired by or, or whatever. Totally. I love... Oh, man, it's so fun. I love it. Good good idea to, to get inspired oh, by that best, stuff. Oh, the best. The best. I mean, there was... Mm-hmm. I mean, Cody had that whole uh, uh, Evangelion-inspired mm. uh, story during Extreme Venomverse, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I just love... I, I love the whole vibe here. It's immaculate. Well, you know what? Don't stop the love, because I want to know what mm. your top book for next week is, and I'm sure there's plenty of love around that. A man, I, I hope this is real. You know, I, uh-huh. <laughs> truly, I, I am really <laughs> looking forward to Ninjak Super Killers number one by Jeff Parker and Mike Norton. Uh, this mini series. This is the follow up to uh, Jeff Parker and, and Javier Polito's Ninjak mini series from 2020, 2021. Something like that. Uh, this was first solicited back in February. No, I'm sorry, May of 2022. It was supposed to come out in February this year. Then it was pushed to uh, May and then to September. And now I believe it is finally coming out next week. Uh, don't have a whole lot of details other than uh, uh, Ninjak is trying to basically take his life back. He's He's sort of on the run. Uh, I love, I loved what Parker did with this character in the last miniseries. Gave it a, uh, even more of a James Bond edge than it had before, um, and we're looking at a forty-eight page globe-trotting action adventure book. I, I'm, you know, I'm worried about Valiant. Um, yeah, because they've cut back to, I mean, for a while they were one book a month, and then then they've just mm. sort of been like one whenever they get around to it. Uh, mm, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, they were really rolling at one. point. There's been a lot of layoffs. I, I think their editor in chief or one of their edit like lead editors recently resigned. Uh, oh. So yeah, it's just or like or left the company. There, there's been a lot of shakeups at, at Valiant, mm-hmm. and and I really hope that this is the kind of book that can you know bring people back in. It's a prestige format book. It's a tough sell at ten bucks for a, a book that's been Oof. pushed back yeah. a lot. But I I really hope it does well because. I love Ninjak and I love this creative team. So I, and I really want to see Valiant succeed. Um, yeah. When I was doing some research for our best of the year next week, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of, I was looking at a lot of like best of the year so far kind of yeah, things. Totally. And shadow man, that event was like on a lot of people's lists for oh, yeah, like book best of shadows thing. Yeah. And like the way that came, I don't even know if it finished. I can't remember. It did. It did. <laughs> like, but it was, it was a weird thing where the first issue came out and then got put on hold for several months because Exo Manowar yeah. was coming out, and they, you know, they had mm. so many like cutbacks. I mean, it was a bummer, right? We had we had Steve Fox on here when Archer and Armstrong came out, and and that got yep. cut short. And uh, I hope I hope Super Killers continues because the original solicit, you know, uh, indicated that there was going to be a team up with Punk Mambo and all these other characters from the Valiant universe, and I and I hope that's still in the cards. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, there was like a push for Hollywood and then I think maybe the money dried up. So then there were the I mean, publishing side kind of. Yeah, a lot of money it. went into the Bloodshot movie that then opened literally the first week of COVID. 
Yeah. Like yeah. I, yeah. it's, uh, it was, you know, it, it, it sucks. And, uh, I hate to be negative because I, I really want, I really want to see good things happen for, mm-hmm. for the folks at Valiant. Yeah. Like, oh God, like 10 years ago now I was reviewing a lot of the books and yeah. like Jeff Lemire was writing when that big relaunch happened. Era. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about Ninjak as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my most anticipated book of the week is The Deviant Number 2 by yeah. James Tynan the fourth and Joshua Hickson. I really like the first issue. It's deeply real. There's a character that is gay looking to learn more about this deviant killer mm-hmm. of the past who has, appears to have come back into the present, even though they thought they caught him. And, of course, he's wearing a Santa costume. So it's, it's just <laughs> perfect to get you sure. in the mood for Christmas. <laughs> but um, there's some interesting compelling ideas at work here about what is deviancy uh and you know all gay people were deviants i'm doing air quotes uh you know in the past right and for many from um and you know there's that interest there's this interesting idea about identity and being gay and also being a deviant of society when you know you're not exactly what being held in contempt by people who don't even right bother to get to know you Meanwhile, there's a slasher around, uh, coming around, and uh, I think he is, because he is investigating into this murder, maybe this monster will be like, eh, I need to knock you off too. I assume it's a monster. I mean, it could just be a dude in a mask for all I know. But uh, yeah, just really elevated, interesting dialogue and interesting character work um, on top of a slasher in the background. Yeah. Sort of like uh, true detective style, I suppose you could say. I suppose you Moving could say. Moving on... Well, well, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next segment, judging with the cover, Junior. I like this. Is it. where we pick our favorite cover out, cover art out next week. Yeah. Cover out art next week. Cover art out <laughs> the next week. I simply love this variant cover by Martin Cocolo for Daredevil Black Armor number two. It is so prime for the holiday season. It is. We've got Daredevil falling backwards, of course. Carefree, knowing full well his insane Billy Club whip thing will catch him, it, uh, which is it, it must yeah, be ahead. noted that he is not wearing the black armor. In this, on that this is cover. true. That is a good point. He is in his red costume, and he's so happy. Kind of weird. He probably because he just took it off. He's like, ah, oh, God, oh, the shoulder finally pads. feel the cold air. <laughs> the snow is falling. There's clearly like a parade or maybe it's New Year's. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and the lights of the city are all around him and it's just joyous. Mm-hmm. And it's like that joyousness of him like leaping and his agility. It's all coming together in this really happy making cover. Yeah, no, I love it. I It reminds me of that uh that black cat pride story that I talked about earlier this year where when she like does the, oh, yeah. the, the, the backwards flip off the building and into the parade. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Nice pick. I, I also went with uh with a superhero cover, but one that's decidedly creepier. I, I went for uh Juan Ferreira's spine tingling Spider-Man number three cover, um, which features uh, Spider-Man looking at Mysterio, whose helmet has burst, and his is sort of sucking Peter's mask into it. The, the mask is tearing off one little piece at a time. But what's fascinating about this is the direction that the lens from Peter's eyes uh, is flying versus the glass from oh, Mysterio's yeah. helmet. It it, the explosion could be coming from either side. It's not like there's an impact. It's almost just like they're devouring each other. 
the yeah. Peter's mask is almost like sinews like towards the end. Like Ferrer is so great at this sort of mm-hmm. uncanny valley kind of stuff, like nightmare dream logic, which is what this whole series is like really operating on. Um, but yeah, this is, I love this cover. I love how the eye on his, uh, cape uh holder mm-hmm. whatever you call that thing mm-hmm. is looking like right up yeah at yeah, yeah. peeking over to the side yeah it's creepy great. and yeah the way the glass looks it's like teeth yeah trying to nosh his face i love it and nom 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 <laughs> i think we're gonna have saladina on at some point he oh that'd he, be great uh, he said he'd love to be on i just we just have to figure out one so yeah 2024 baby hell Check yeah in if you want to hear more from love him. to but talk some spooky segment, uh spider-man stuff Ooh. Baby and Daredevil too. Yes, sir. Uh, join us as Jason Aaron joins the show to talk all about Batman, Offworld, and Action Comics, and Bizarro. And next week, listen in as we're going to do our best of 2023. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as always, we're not just going to do the regular stuff like best artist, <laughs> boring. We're going to do cool <laughs> stuff like best kiss, like MTV used to do. Yeah, hottest buns. <laughs> Oh, man. hottest buzz! I like. It. Spike Do you remember Awards. Um, Tropic Thunder? Uh-huh. Uh, there's the fake trailer of Tobey Maguire and <laughs> Robert Downey yeah. Jr. The MTV. And it's like five-time like... Oscar-winning Robert Downey Jr. Whatever Zach, the character's name is, and then he's like Tobey Maguire, MTV Best Kiss. That's so good. <laughs> I just rewatched that. It's so funny. Anywho, enjoy the interview. It's super good. Okay, so all this is Jason Aaron. Jason, thank you so much for being on the AAP Comics podcast again. Great to be here again. Batman Offworld number one is out now. Uh, the second issue is out December 19th. And man, I I was so floored with how compelling the issue was and the start of the story, but also how different the story was. Because, you know, you don't often see Batman with his back against the wall in outer space at such a young age, too. Right. Yeah. To me, that was the thing that was, you know, seemed exciting about this project is um Doing a doing a Batman book. I mean, I you know I knew I wanted Batman to be the first thing I did um, oh, when yeah. I came over to, to to DC. That seemed like a no brainer. But I wanted to do something, you know, that still seemed unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah I I like that that idea of taking the young, inexperienced, raw Batman and plucking him into outer space for the very first time, where he is wholly and completely out of his depth. Mm. Totally is yeah. As far as like your pitches, was this your first pitch to DC for your first work there? Now, now, now working yeah. with DC Comics. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Ben Abernathy, the uh, the Batman editor, was the the first guy I'd I'd, well, I'd been talking. I've known Ben for years. Like he's kind of, you know, DC has changed a lot from when I was when I was quote unquote there when my career started. You know, I was yeah. at Vertigo, which. Vertigo still felt like its own little secret clubhouse within the DC <laughs> offices, but but I still knew um, some of the people in the the DCU editorial, and and most everybody I knew is gone. So Ben Ben's the one guy I've kind of known and have worked with, you know, back when he was at, at Wildstorm. So he was he was the really the only guy I'd, I'd talked to over the years, and and um, so yeah, he was the the first first person I. I don't remember if I reached out to him or he reached out to me, you know, um, but um, this was the, the first thing I submitted. Nice. Um, I, I think I li- literally turned it in the day after my Marvel exclusive expired. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. 
<laughs> I wasn't sure. Like, I didn't want to send it in before. I'm sure that would have been fine. But yeah. I was like, well, I'll just wait and make sure. Send it. I'll send it in that Monday after. You don't. Uh, you, you don't want to stop working, I guess. Uh, you. I mean, you do so much as it is. But uh, you know, the story here picks up one year into Batman's tenure. What were the factors in setting this story at this point in his in his time as a superhero? Just, you know, to see him deal with this sort of stuff for the very first time. So the, you know, this is a guy who's just kind of um, started to, to to figure out like what it means to be Batman in, in Gotham City. And he's been, you know, the, fighting his way through through mobsters and three, street thugs and probably encountered a few of his, you know, regular rogues gallery by this point. Still just kind of, you know, starting to feel like, okay, I think I've... As Batman, I think I got a grip on this, right? I think I know how to do this. I can be the the hero that Gotham City needs. And then suddenly something, you know, happens that shows him, oh, you were you were still wholly unprepared. Like your training did not prepare you for everything, for for the, all sorts of threats. They're gonna come to Gotham because they're gonna come from off the planet. So then Batman has absolutely no experience in that regard. I mean, in, in my mind, this is a you know, a, a Batman who doesn't know anything about, you know, Kryptonians or Thangarians or Tamaranians, right, right. like, you know, that will that will come later. Um, maybe he's met a few of those people, but the, the, he doesn't understand the first thing about uh, one alien race versus another. So this is him, um, you know, learning on the fly, learning by doing, like learning by... Um, by um, you know diving right into the fray in in one of the worst spots uh, from across the universe, it feels like the right time for this too. Since you know Chip Zdarsky just wrapped the Batman the Night, where we see him training, and it's like, oh well, there's actually another layer of training that he had to do, and Jason Aaron is going to bring that to us. Yeah, yeah, I really did. It, it, yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I really loved that book. I loved Chips uh, the Night uh, diving back into the those years of training. So yeah, maybe that did kind of factor in. You know, I, I mean, I um, I, I kind of toyed with this idea for a while, like last year, uh, and sort of settled on this as the, you know, the thing I wanted to to be my first DC project. There, there's also, I mean, the the story part of it aside. Um, I think it also kind of clicked into place for me because, you know, as, as, as I was coming to DC, which I, I look at this, even though, you know, I, I was at Vertigo before I did, I did one penguin one shot back in like 2008. Um, I still look at this as kind of my proper debut as a DC writer. Cause this is sort of the first full, you know, multi-issue project I've worked on at DC. I started thinking about, you know, looking back over the course of my career, or course of my life, as as you know, things we do when we're when we're all the, still trying to come out of the cocoon of 2020 <laughs> and, and such, right? Yep. A lot of a lot of soul searching, but looking back over the course of my life, um, you know, it was DC DC comics were really what got me into reading comics as a kid. You know, plucking books off the spinner rack back in the early mid 80s. Those are mostly DC books. Um, and you and you can see you know the the seeds of some of those books in Batman Offworld. So um, Atari Force was a big book for me, kind of a forgotten 
underrated Jim, um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Gary Conway, um, you know, sci-fi book from the mid eighties, which to me was like the first time I, I could get in on the ground floor of a, of a new series. Yeah. Um, and the new teen Titans was the really one of the like foundational books that made me a comic fan. Like once I discovered that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do this all the time now. Right. Like I'm going to read comics all the time. And that, that first space arc of Titans where, um, you know, Starfire gets kidnapped by her evil sister and the Titans have to go in outer space to rescue her with the Omega men. Um, you can see those two books in particular, you can see like, elements of that nods to that in Batman Offworld. So this is kind of me coming to DC as a, as a creator for the first time by paying homage to, to what got me into reading and wanting to write comics in the very first place. Nice. And these are good motivating factors. I was, uh, I was just talking to Kyle Starks on Saturday for the podcast and he brought up Atari force out of the blue and was like, you know, that used oh, yeah. to sell like 20 million copies per issue. Oh sure, I bet that's it. <laughs> Which it's makes... a it's a it's a really good book. I wish you know it's a there, there are no reprints of it just because of the rights issue. But yeah, if I we encourage can clear everybody to go dig through back issue bins. And Let's say them. we can clear up the the rights issues. Uh, would you be the first one in line to want to write a new version of that? Oh, absolutely. I think I'd be all I'd be all over that. I'd be offended if I wasn't you know on the <laughs> on the short list. Uh, just keep it mentioning but I, but I think it would be it would be a list like I am not yeah. the only Atari Force fan oh, you think so? among among I mean I, me and Kyle are not the only two <laughs> Atari Force fans yeah 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 um, something I really adore about your Batman is just how primal he seems to be like it kind of reminded me of Batman vs. Predator in his abilities to like you know fight in the most brutal way because he he must I mean he's fighting aliens in this book where they're like incredibly tough and whatnot. Uh, what goes into writing a Batman who is constantly um, trying to push himself and improve himself, even when the odds are against him? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I like writing Batman in this kind of period where, like I said, he's he's sort of still still figuring it out, figured it out to some degree, and now he's plopped into a situation where oh, he's hasn't figured out anything. So I think so. You know, his his narration is pretty focused and he's 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 on the job the whole time right yeah. like he's there to work this is not a pleasure cruise <laughs> this is a work a work trip and he is working you know literally 24 7 like everything he's doing um is part of his struggle to survive and to learn and to grow and be the batman he needs to be so it's all pretty focused some of it you can i think you can also see of like he's trying to psych himself up a little bit you know like Sure. You can't do this, Batman. You can't figure. <laughs> you better figure this out. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I really like that writing that kind of Batman. And I, I, you know, I wanted his. I mean, this book needs to be a mix of like you know big and and crazy, um, but also very very grounded. And I didn't want this to be like a a space romp, right? Like it's mm -hmm. Batman on alien spaceships surrounded by hordes of alien warriors, but he is still a very grounded character, like where he's at this point in his life, what he's been through, where he's come from. I wanted to keep that part of it very mm -hmm. focused and, and grounded and gritty. 
Um, and that, and, and some of that stuff will, will grow and change as the book goes along too, by, you know, by the time we get to issue three, um, Batman's motivation and, um, like where he's at as a character, uh, evolves in a big way. You can, you can get that grittiness too, from the art. Doug Mankey's art is like the, the ink work and the, the darkness. It's, it really leans into that at times. Yeah. Doug, Doug gives weight and life to all the, all the crazy stuff you know, he gets to draw and it, and really it only gets crazier and crazier as the book goes along. I mean, these early parts, it's him drawing, you know, the, the crew of this, uh, war storm ship. So just hordes of, of aliens who've been like Shanghai from <laughs> across the galaxy and forced to train as, as mercenaries. And so Doug, like people's people's this with, with, Alien characters, for the most part, are just coming straight out of his imagination, right? Like there's the occasion, occasional, um, you know, sort of existing alien, like we'll sprinkle in, right. in there. But, but the vast majority of them are straight out of Doug Monkey's brain, um, and just the the grittiness and and life he gives to all of that, to the characters, the locations, everything. It feels very much like that. Um, it feels lived in, feels dirty. Um, in the same way, you know, like to me, every spaceship should be like the Millennium Falcon where, um, where, you know, every time somebody sees it in that first film, they just comment on what a piece of junk it looks like. Right. right. To us as kids, it was the coolest ship that had ever existed, but I love that it's to everybody else in the movie. It's like, well, this thing sucks. We're not going to get on this thing. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That to me is like what space. Right. That to me is what like, you know, spaceships and space stories should feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you brought up the aliens, which was funny because when I was reading the book, I'm like, wait, is this an alien I've seen before? And I'm Googling Branks and I'm seeing, oh, yeah, Marv Wolfman and George Perez created this, which made me go, oh, my God, did did Jason like dig into like the encyclopedia of D.C. to get, to get some you know known alien races into this book? No, they, he. That's one of the aliens. Is part of the um, that that New Teen Titans space arc, who also pops uh, up in Omega Men. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was you know a little again a little nod to some of those stories that I loved as a kid. Nice. I mean, just you know pulling them out and again pulling out the actual physical copies that I bought mm-hmm. off the spinner rack and and flipping through them and reading them again. That's nice. part of working on this. How do you balance you know this grounded Batman with <laughs> aliens and spaceships or maybe you're not even trying i don't i mean i i don't know i mean to me to me that part kind of comes natural i feel like mm-hmm. i've done that i've done that before on a lot of other sure yeah stuff i've worked on i mean i love i love kind of balancing that insane and ridiculous and over the top with still gritty and emotional and grounded i mean i think you can find a balance between those two things i think mm-hmm. i you know, I did a lot of Thor stories that I think so many yeah. um, so walked good. that line. Mm-hmm. I think my my uh, Punisher's book that um, I finished earlier this year, I think to me, you know, was about bringing in big classic Marvel elements like the hand and and still doing a very very dark and grounded story with Frank Castle. So I think that's the kind of stuff I like to do. So. It seemed a natural way to, to do a Batman story. And I'm sure, you know, that uh, uh, hopefully this is not the last time I ever get to write Batman. <laughs> I, I, no, I doubt it. I would, I, I 
definitely have other Batman stories to tell and they won't all take place in space. And I would love to do a, you know, a dark and gritty street level Batman mm. at some point and, and, you know, um, got some of those ideas, but, um, I, I was, I, I kind of knew right away, like didn't want to do one of those right out of the gate. Like right, this right. needed to be the first thing. And, and you do, you get to, you know, play with the toys and kind of a, a, a different sort of way and, and sure. do a Batman story that people have, I think have not seen before, but that also feels like it doesn't come out of left field. Right. You're just like setting a certain expectation, but then you can subvert it next time or, or do something entirely different. Right. And just, you know, give, I mean, to me, the whole point of the, the whole challenge of this job, right. Is to mm-hmm. take these characters that we love, that we all know that we've, that people have been reading stories about, you know, for, for decades, for much longer than, than those of us working on them have been alive. Right. right. Um, so how do you do that and, and distill like what we all love about those characters and what's, what's resonates, but to just do a story we haven't read a, a thousand times already, that's not just picking the bones of, you know, the, the things we loved from the past. So I think that's right. always the challenge and, and to me, that you know, that's what I'm I'm swinging for here. Definitely get that from this one. Um, how do you pronounce the alien woman's name? Is it Ioni, or is it? Yeah, it's I- Ioni. I, Ioni. I named her after Ioni Sky, who's um, an, an actress. She was in River's Edge oh, with um, yeah. Crispin Glover and Nice Keanu Reeves, which I loved. She's married to one of the Beastie Boys. I think. Oh my still. god, they're my favorite. I forget which one. Ad Rock? I forget which. I think it is. Mike Ad Rock. D or Ad yeah. Rock? There's, there's two left. Have you ever seen the right. Beastie Boys live? No, I never did. Oh, God, I was lucky to see them on the last tour, and they had, um, sorry, oh, wow. complete tangent, but they had Will Ferrell do his President Bush, and he did skits <laughs> uh, just for the show. Uh, they were they were so funny. That's wild. But um, back to Ioni, um, you know, it was, it was funny. I'm on Reddit a lot, and I noticed that people were losing it when they saw that variant cover of Ioni and Batman kissing, um, thinking that this is a new romance that's going to flourish into something completely new. Maybe there'll be an alien son or something. Anyway, those are just people speculating. Anyway, what kind of woman do you think can steal Batman's heart, though, is, is what <laughs> I was wondering. Well, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I, you know, we'll have to see how the story plays out before we assume that she's exactly right. stealing his heart. Right, but, right, right. I mean, I, again, this is a this is a Batman who's I don't the guy who's fought his way across the planet Earth, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know how super experienced he is at this point <laughs> in the ways of love and romance. Right, right. Uh, I mean, uh, who knows? It's not like Batman is super experienced at any point in his life, right? Still sure. feels like sort of outside his his realm of expertise, but especially at this point in his life. And he's going into a situation where he knows absolutely no one, right? Like right. one of my only notes to Doug when we started this book was, I, I want Bruce to be the only human we see in the whole book. So there's no... You know, nobody who's who's an alien but still looks human. Like everybody needs to be, even if they don't look completely non-human, then they're they're green or blue, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody is alien to this guy. Batman right. is completely and utterly alone. Only Earthling in this corner of the, the of the universe. So he starts out with zero friends, zero allies, uh, zero people 
looking to help everybody once he's dead. So it's, um, you know, it's fun to watch him develop some relationships um, as the book goes along. And the guy who's still, you know, not used to that. He doesn't, this is not a Batman who has the extensive Bat family that we mm-hmm. see today, right? Where right, he's got right. like 20, a group of 20 people he can invite over for dinner. Um, <laughs> that doesn't exist yet. So this is this guy who's still, you know, learning his way through um, any of that. And this is kind of a part of, you know, maybe him starting to see the benefits and some of that too. And, and yeah, his relationship with, with Ione will be uh, a big part of that. And, you know, I think with Batman and romance, you can't expect it to go too smoothly. <laughs> right. Something will, will go awry. Um, it, I got to say, it's so exciting to see you on Batman. After, I mean, we spoke, I think 2015, we talked about The Goddamned, which I loved too, by the way. And, and another book that is grounded, but yet there's these fantastical elements that really work. Right. Uh, but the breadth of your work has been really exciting to, to watch, uh, especially with Thor 2, of course, but other titles, of course. Uh, I just want to say that. I don't know. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I appreciate hearing that because it is kind of one of the things I, um, I don't know if to say I pride myself on. That, like, but yes, I'm, I'm proud of that over the course of my career, I think I've done a lot of different kinds of things, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they're definitely you know, through lines you can see whether it's, you know, crappy fathers or sure. um, people tortured by the choices they've made and whatever, the, the ideas of faith and religion, the themes I come back to time and again that continue to interest me. But I I, I like doing books that, that feel different from things I've done before. So I'm, 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 I'm proud of that. And I, you know, something like Once Upon a Time at the End of the World that I'm doing right now for Boom is that book is wildly different from anything else sure. that I think yep. I've done over the course of my career. So, um, and I think, you know, the, some of the other stuff you'll see me doing at, at DC will will fit that that mold as well. The last time you were on the podcast, we talked about Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. Um, the next issue's out in, was it February or January? I forget. Yeah, January. The January. third arc, the second trade, and the first issue of the third arc come out in January. Nick Tragoda's on that too, I think, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, he's the main so artist good. for the third arc. Yep. So he's, yeah, he's awesome. Um, people should definitely check that out. It's again, it's it's so different from a lot of other work you've done, and I think it's really compelling in a lot of interesting ways. Uh, not to mention the romance in there, <laughs> if you can call it that. Right, um, a romance that also has. <laughs> Big ups and downs. Yep. Uh, switching gears to Action Comics 1061. Um, I, I got to read it early. I adore what you're doing with Bizarro. I love Bizarro. But the what you do with Bizarro is so awesome. Obviously, no spoilers. But, um, you know, you're in this, you're also dealing with another alien world. Um, this time, it's the Sorcerer's World. You know, is it fair to say your interest lies with alien worlds when it comes to DC? Or is it <laughs> just a coincidence? <laughs> Not, not exactly. I mean, with this, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, it served a specific story function, and I was trying to send Bizarro down a, a, a certain path. So, I mean, it, 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 with that, it was just you know, the, we kind of start with the idea of a Bizarro who's lost and alone, and this is the Bizarro from Bizarro World, right? Who's got like um, um, you know, his Bizarro ver- version of Lois and a Bizarro version of Superboy. 
but he's been kind of separated and cut off from that world. And so he is completely alone, um, wondering our universe, wondering space, trying to kind of, you know, find somebody to help him find a way back home. And, and he goes to sorcerer's world, kind of not really knowing why, <clears throat> you know, he's just a bizarro just kind of angry and flailing and, and desperate. And then he, um, something happens there that that sets him off on a you know dark and dangerous new path. You know, it, it had me looking up Sorcerer's World because I had no idea what that was. I wasn't a huge DC guy growing up, so like, uh, it's it's exciting when I'm going down a Wikipedia or wiki uh, <laughs> hole because you're 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 doing these things and I'm like, oh, is that brand new? Oh, wow, that's something he's pulling from. That's really cool. I think a long time DC fans will really appreciate that. History seems really important to DC fans. Yeah, yeah, I think you're yeah, you're right. Um and I I again, even though I've spent the last uh, what, 15 years, you know, exclusive to Marvel, yeah. bulk of my career has been Marvel stuff. Um I, I wanted to show that I'm it's not like I just read a DC comic for the first time <laughs> last year. Right. Um been re- been reading a lot of them over the years since I was, you know, I mean, literally the, the first comic I ever bought was the issue of World's Finest. I learned to read in large part because of DC Comics. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, I think you'll see over the this Batman Off-World and this stint on Action Comics, you'll see references to sort of little things sprinkled in here and there, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. Just right. some of it's me kind of showing up to the the you know the I don't know what's the analogy I want to use. So I was going to say like the candy shop or the <laughs> the toy chest, cracking open the toy chest for the first time, and just you know wanting to to, to touch a lot of different ones. I think right. you can see. I think I've seen it over the course of my career. You could like at Marvel you, when somebody comes in, a new writer, mm-hmm. you can tell like, well, how do I fit Spider Man into this story? How do I fit whoever? Right, right. I think there's always that sense of like, oh, I, I kind of snuck into the party, <laughs> and at some point somebody's going to realize I'm not supposed to be here, and they're going to tell me to leave. So I'm just going to try right. to write everybody I want. So the, I think there's a little bit of that. Hopefully not in a not in a way that is detrimental to the story. It's all <laughs> little you know little bits here and there, and some of the bigger bits that are important to the story. But you'll you'll definitely see more of that in in action comics. Jason Aaron comes to your holiday party, but he's up in the like one of the bedrooms playing with the puppy. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Where's Jason? Oh my god, he's got the puppy! What the heck?" Um, I'd be up, you know, playing playing with the toys. Right. Um, do you have a favorite Bizarro story? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I could have said yes to that before yeah. I kind of started working on this. Oh, sure. I mean, I think if I, if I had to, it probably would have been those, those issues of all-star Superman, mm. um, which I think, you know, for me, um, a lot of like reference, reference points to Superman go, go to all-star Superman. Cause it's maybe my favorite Superman story oh, of all so time. Good. Certainly, so certainly in the top, you know, three. Um, so I, I, I love that bizarro story, but as part of this, I also went back and read a lot of those, um, bizarro world, st- uh, stories from the fifties, mm-hmm. which kind of played into this a lot, which, you know, at the time were very much played, um, for laughs, but I think they were all written by, uh, Siegel, by Jerry Siegel. Hmm. 
Um, but when you read them now, I, I, to me, I came away just like, oh, feels feeling sorry for Bizarro, like this poor guy, like he's just sort of, you know, like like look at this idiot, he's got all Superman's powers, but look how stupid he is, right, right. And you just feel like this poor dude's just trying to live his life, you know. And mm-hmm. yes, his ways seem ridiculous to us, but he's just <laughs> like, hey man, I just love my kids and just trying to do right, do right by them. So I came away just like, oh man, poor Bizarro's, which. That kind of factored into this too, and mm. as, so as the story goes, you know, I mean, if it's a it's a bizarro story, there's something, of course, it's going to be somewhat ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we, to me, I, I feel like I'm trying to take that ridiculousness in a darker, edgier mm. direction. So we, um, like, you can play that sort of, um, you know, code of bizarro out to some pretty dark degrees. And we start to see that in in the second part of the story, um, and then and again, just really like, what does it mean um, for this guy to be Bizarro, and how can um, you know what what might happen that Superman kind of starts to understand a little bit of like, you know, why well, it's not not the easiest thing to be Bizarro. Right, and and he and he's always sort of well, in, at least in the modern retellings, he's always Superman is always trying to like be kind to Bizarro as if he knows, and you do that too, but you take it to this dark place. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where the next chapter takes us, especially with John Tim's art. Um, was there any panel or page where he just blew away your expectations? I mean, I think right from the get go, like right, you know, the opening sequence of this that first issue is like you said, we go to Sorcerer's World, um, and it's it's easy for me to kind of write that, and then you know, well, you have these wizards, and and then there's a magical fight, but I think right away, John, you could tell John was like swinging for the fences, for sure. So even before we any got got to you know seeing Superman or Metropolis or any of the stuff that you know John has already shown that he's he's uh, amazing at drawing like could tell like oh this is like damn this, this book looks special um mm-hmm. he's really killing it um so yeah i've been been super thrilled with how this has all come together and i think um you know the the there are a lot of surprises in this story um I, I, whenever i talk about it, i've tried to just keep it pretty basic and the um, but the, there are surprises in each issue as it goes along. I think it'll continue to be a, the, the, you know, it's three issues, three big thirty-page issues. Each one will will take things in a bit of a different direction, and be again. I think like just like I'm trying to do with Batman and Batman Offworld. This is um, showing what I love about Superman but also doing a Superman story that I don't think we've seen before. I always, whenever I read Bizarro dialogue, I'm like, how do they do this? How do they pull it off? Do you have a method in, in writing Bizarro dialogue so you don't lose your own mind? <laughs> no, no, I haven't figured out how to do it without losing my own mind. <laughs> I mean, I the you definitely see different iterations of the Bizarro talk as the story goes along. Because I realize at some point, you know, as we see more bizarros popping up in the story, mm-hmm. it, it becomes like gibberish in your mind mm. to me. Yeah, yeah. If you just if if you've got five characters talking like that, right? Yeah. And the way Bizarro talks has evolved over the course of the decades. You know, he didn't always say every single sentence 
in a negative. So some of it is like, how do you embrace this? How do we do this for effect mm. when it makes sense? But also, you know, at, at some point kind of go back to the way he talked, you know, back in the silver age where, mm-hmm. so we can still, you know, cause it's not, we're not just playing it for laughs. Um, right, he's yeah. not just there to say something that sounds ridiculous. Like I wanted to feel uh, emotional at times, scary at times, you know, like hit a lot of different uh, beats with that bizarro talk. So it's been an ongoing challenge, I hmm. think, to figure to figure all of that out. It's got to be like a decoder or something, like <laughs> switching it around so you just write it norm, like write the dialogue normally, and then right. reverse it somehow. Well, I did that. I did that when I wrote Yoda for the first time in Star Wars because oh, yeah. I quickly figured out like ah, it's hard to just write Yoda talk so I'll just uh, translate like it. my first my first draft of the script I think the first time I wrote Yoda like Lucasfilm was like does this guy know that Yoda doesn't talk like because I just wrote regular dialogue. That's funny. Like, it's talking Shakespearean. Oh right I'll think I'll, yes I'm familiar with the way Yoda talks but I, didn't, I couldn't go down that rabbit hole just yet. That's funny that's interesting. Well, to, to, I have one more question to leave us off. Is there, now that you've got your, your, your feet wet coming up uh, January um, 9th with Action Comics and Superman and, and Batman, of course, going, going, going strong, is there another DC character that you've got in your back pocket that you really want to write that people may not know about? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a lot of them in my back pocket. I mean, it feels like I'm a kid again, <laughs> you know, like I'm just starting my career. I mean, writing this coming to DC and getting my first two books out of the gate are Batman and Superman. Like that's, that's pretty ridiculous and amazing. I, I kind of wasn't expecting that to happen. The, I mean, the Batman book, I specifically, you know, pitched and, and, and ask about Superman was something that kind of fell in my lap. Um, but right away I knew like, yes, the answer is yes. Yeah. I absolutely want to do that. So super thrilled that I've been able to kind of come out of the gate with those two characters. Those aside, yeah, it's a pretty long list, right? Because again, mm. there's there's characters I've been reading uh, DC since I was a kid. Um, I've 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 realized like maybe I should keep that list a little close to the vest because <laughs> sure. you know some of those characters are projects that I'm like actively talking about. Nice um, at the moment. So yeah, I think you. I, the, again, as far as I'm concerned, like I want to do more with both Batman and Superman. There's other stories I would love to tell with those characters. Those aside, yeah, it's a long list. I think there's and, and of the characters on the list, some of them I think you could probably guess. You could probably think, oh yeah, probably this guy, probably that guy. I've I have said in interviews over the years, like oh yeah, I'd love to write such and such. Mm-hmm. There's some other ones I think. I've never mentioned to anybody before um, that I think would, you know, maybe be a little more surprising and, nice. and I, I'm not planning on going anywhere. So I, I nice. you know, hope to be able to, to check all those names off the list as the years go by. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. This is a lot of interesting stuff and yeah, I'm really excited to see uh, where your action comics and your Batman stories go from here. Cool. Thanks, David.